I think it, it's the norm for most of my clients to just say to me, I guess we're the ones who have to be trained. They say that constantly because I try to be polite about it, but it truly is about the human. And I tell them, look, don't feel bad. We don't come into this world with four legs and a tail. You know, we're, we're, we're navigating our lives and we're doing well by them. We adopt, we groom, we, we, you know, we feed them, we take them to the vet. But if we don't take care of what it takes to be a canine, their psychological needs as a canine, how they meet, how they react, how they're, how they're motivated. Um, a lot of times they're actually forced into a situation. And sadly, a dog will comply because A, he, he's, he's a social being. That's part of his genetic makeup. To, and B, he's loyal to us. They love to, imp- you know, to please us. But you don't want to force a dog. You want to teach a dog. And you also want to motivate. And I think that's what I love about behavior. It gets, I always say behavior is like working from their eyes up to the human, getting inside their head and understanding what it takes to be a dog and understand the dog so that the, being humans, we rationalize that and put it into terms we understand. Hello and welcome to the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. I'm your host, George Wacker. The aim of this podcast is to connect you to the stories and personalities living in or affecting the Lehigh Valley area of Pennsylvania. We talk to business owners, musicians, authors, students, politicians, and maybe even you. We talk with Nancy Tolino, a certified canine behavioral expert and professional dog trainer, a creator and founder of Peace in the Pack. She is a graduate of the Animal Behavior College and member of the Association of Pet Dog Trainers and the International Association of Canine Professionals. She has been rescuing and rehabilitating dogs for the past 20 years. Her vision is to save lives by empowering people with the knowledge to meet their dog's physical and psychological needs so that dogs may maintain their homes and reduce the chance of tragically returning to shelters. She is extremely proud to share that several of her bite cases have successfully rehabilitated to become successful therapy dogs, working with children at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, the elderly, search and rescue, among others. In this episode, we talk about my own dog, Lincoln, and learn how you can start to have a better relationship with your best bud today. Thank you, Nancy, let's go. Hey, thank you so much for coming out. I have a lot of questions, because we have a dog Who's, mm-hmm. who's really bad. Well, he's not really bad. He just doesn't listen and it's annoying. And then you go, I read all these things and I'll go on Google and I'll watch, you know, Caesar Milan, I guess when he used to be in vogue. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to like kind of get, get clear through all that. So I'm happy to have you in today. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, George. Thank you. <laughs> and I want to get to the, well, we'll talk about kind of like your history uh, to start off. I want to see how did you get into um, this, how do you get into this line of work? Like, where do you, is this something where you love animals and then it just, you, you do a little bit of it and then all, all of a sudden you have clients? Is that kind yeah. of? <laughs> <laughs> Seemingly. Um, well, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been in broadcasting for years and it was, a, right. you know, separate from this, but my real avocation and my real passion Sorry, there are my birds in the background too. No, it makes it more authentic. <laughs> I like it. It makes it feel like we're with, there with you in the the animal kingdom. They serenade, um, and my dogs are, you know, fortunately asleep. So this is well, great. they better be good if you knew if you're if they're, you're their dog mom. Yes, they better be. But um, but my passion has always been to rescuing. You know, living in Philadelphia, a lot of strays, and you know, major cities have a lot of strays. Sadly. And that's the heart of where you find a lot of um, a lot right. of, of of discontent and stress and 
uh, fear issues, aggressive issues, things like that nature. So I thought the normal route was to become a trainer. Um, I did so, uh, thankfully, effectively. But you know what, Georgia, wasn't enough. For me, it wasn't enough. And I'm not saying there's fabulous trainers out there. Oh, they're really at it. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I, I love it. I'm really more of them. <laughs> We'll have them on next. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but they um, so so I, I and realizing again being in the city at the time, I thought I need right. to step this up. What can I do? So you're surprisingly you're you're going to be surprised at who my true teachers were, and they were my actual dogs because my dogs were very very highly behaviorally challenged, and okay. I spoke with different professors, you know, at different universities, and told them you know, my plight that I'm actually, you know, certified, but it's not enough. Why am I not getting what I need to do? And they said, you're, you're gearing yourself into behavior. And they said the way that I'm talking and they said that the intuitive sound that I, that I seem to express to them that I should follow my passion and just observe the dogs. And I'm telling you, I took courses here and there workshops, but there isn't a, there wasn't at the time anyway, a standard course for mm-hmm. canine behavior so my professors the there, wait, wait, there isn't a, there's no course like no I so where does this I, um, I i bring up caesar milan because he's the only one i yeah, really you know I know mean, as a dog like he he's not certified through a college or something no, he kind of and, and interesting this is a discrepancy that a lot of trainers have with him but caesar has is one of those people that he is gifted to know how to read dogs sure. um, being in mexico and different places myself mm-hmm. i have brought to my students because i teach this course, these courses for canine behavior at Rowan and Camden County. And I would share to them how, how different life is for dogs in other countries as in America. And it's simply because our energy level is so high and we absolutely present that stress to them on a day-to-day level. And as you could hear, I'm, I'm a fast talker. I'm a type yeah, yeah, you know? A. <laughs> and I often say to my students, Hey, if you know, I'm not, I'm not male, uh, commissary of the way you know, Caesar is, but I'm female and mm-hmm. I'm very uh, passionate. I'm very, uh, I'm assertive, but I'm also nervous at times. But guess what? If I can temper down, if I can pres- provide this kind of energy for these dogs, then absolutely anybody can do it. So I like being the poster child for that. So, that so kind of what you're, you're saying is, you know, the the dogs read your energy. Absolutely. So if you're if you're if you're mad or or, or frantic, they're going to to take some of that. Absolutely. And so, because sure. some of the things I've been reading about you and on your website, you know, you talk about body language. You know, so can you? Maybe kind of go through or give me some examples of if a dog's doing what's an example of something like a, a bad behavior that you can maybe correct with okay. some. Yeah. Okay. So something as simple as when a dog kind of in any instance, most of the time. I, mean, I got it. I got forward. it. Okay. I got it. Cause I have one. This is legitimate. My dog's a, he's an Italian greyhound. He's a, he is a wonderful dog, Lincoln. Oh, I love Italian. Um, I have a greyhound. Yeah. Yeah, and every time he's his door, his bed is by the door, the house door, and when anybody comes in, he always jumps out of the bed, and we repeatedly tell him, no, 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 you can't do this. He knows he can't do it. Like he understands. Like, what is something maybe I could start doing with him? Well, I mean, is it that he jumps off the bed and heads to? Yeah, so like we don't want him. We want him to stay in his bed when someone comes to the door and he's refusing to do that. And it's his own bed, right? 
Yes. Okay. It's his yeah. dog so, bed. Right. So the, this is what I call task-oriented behavior, things of, you know, basic training tasks such as sit, stay, you know, those kind of things. Um, those I utilize in my behavioral work because those are moments when a dog can focus on you. But a, in a dog's world, we go back to behavior and the canine, the way a canine thinks, is that more importantly than the actual word sit, stay, and all those things, is, is that a canine needs to know, well, they do know, they need to share with us that they understand spatial areas. They understand that when they give space, that means respect. So when a dog plows forward, it's simply like a child saying, move mom or move dad out of the way and pushing you forward. And what happens is we can't let a child do that because he or she will get in trouble. Much is the same with a dog. We can't let them plow ahead of us, even though they want to, because it's, it's productive for them to do so because mm -hmm. they want to get where they want to get. But they also understand that space means respect. So we have to implement that and show them back, get back. And mm -hmm. uh, this was taught to me by a German shepherd, no less. Again, one of my <laughs> master teachers, <laughs> my professor's always a dog. Um, and the shepherd had taught me at a time where he was growling over his food. And I told his person to step him back a little bit. And he stepped back and he sat quietly and placed the food down. And the gentleman was a bit impressed. And I said, no, it still doesn't seem enough because he still mm -hmm. seems tense. And the guy was like, well, he's in a sit. Isn't that good enough? I'm like, no, nope, he's tense. So I did it again. Before I even had to direct him, he looked at me. He knew he had to turn around and sit. He actually took two or three steps further back. I'm mm -hmm. like, Wow. That gave me space show. is respect. Space is respect. And the shepherd was like, if you want this from me, lady, I'm going to give you this. How's that? And guess huh. what? He turned and not only did he sit, he actually laid down, which is a, a more of a level of calm for them. A, a down is a much more, more of a calmer surrender. And I mean that in a good way. You know, where right. you get that, what I call the huff and puff sound, <laughs> for lack right. of a better word, where they go, you know, when they put their head down. Yep. And then I, know, I know what you mean. And that's what I want him to do. Yeah. yeah. So you need to create that space, but you have to do it in moments that's not so productive where he has to jump down or jump right. out. It has to I be moments it. where, and then you make it productive him to come to you when you need to. So he sees that it, it's motivating enough for him to stay, but also to come. But it has to be on your call because you're directing him in a human world safely. When they mm -hmm. direct themselves in a human world, nine times out of 10, it causes danger for them. They innately know this, and that's why they go from excitement to aggression so quickly. Right. Because it's scary for them to aggress so, so quickly. It's more of like the jumping to the door is kind of a, a symptom of the overall problem of him needing to, we need to get him better at staying in the bed overall. And relax and follow right. me. Because see, here's the thing. It may seem like an innocuous thing. Okay, it's harmless. He's running to the door. So what? But guess what? He could run out. No, he's he hit could. his face on it. Like he gets That's so right. bad, and, and we've tempered him too. down a little, but still. Right, and here's the thing too: if what if God forbid it's somebody at the door that he now is questioning? Now he's mm. at the front line; he has to deal with it, and that's yeah, where he, he, doesn't have, he doesn't right. have any teeth. So yeah, he, well, <laughs> I don't know what he can do. He'll he'll lick them into submission. He'll I lick think. Them. <laughs> well, in his case, yeah. <laughs> so how how long then? You know, I don't want to. I don't want you to, well, I, how long have you been doing this? You know, when did you start getting into, was it, was it something in childhood that you're like, Hey, I, I really gravitate towards dogs yes. or animals or. Oh my God. I wanted to be a vet in the worst way. When I was a child, it was either an actor or a vet. <laughs> There's a combination. You could be an um, actor vet and actor vet. sure there are some of them. Exactly. But you got into broadcasting. I did. So that's my sidebar, I guess, to acting. Right. And I did some theater when I was younger. I wanted to be a singer too, but as you hear my, my voice and I don't smoke. Uh, it's just naturally airy and whispery. Mm -hmm. So 
radio was sort of a perfect fit for that and voiceover. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I was rescuing like for 25 years. And I remember telling my dad that it was the horses that originally horses and dogs are my favorite. And when I heard that they had to put down horses, you know, when, mm. when their legs, you know, went, um, I thought, Oh, I want to stop this. I, I want to save them when I grow up. And every time, um, a dog is rehabilitated and stops fighting, I figure there's another, um, there's another life saved. In and that's something, <laughs> yeah, that's something on your website. I read too. There's a blog post, I think about that, where, a lot of times you hear now a dog bites anybody. That's it. You know, that dog right. is going to be uh, euthanized. What is your stance on this? Like, do you feel that most dogs should get a, a second look after that? Cause it could be a product of the environment. Absolutely. I would say right now and probably in the past, cause I've been doing this uh, um, professionally in my own business for about going on almost 12 years, but um I would say a majority of my cases overall, at least 85% of my cases are bite cases. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, I, I stand firm with that. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a testament to that. And there are there are professional people out there that would probably debate it and say, you know, not a lot of them can be rehabilitated. I can't speak for all, but I can say absolutely. Sure. I live the walk the walk and live the life that yes, I've helped to rehabilitate many. And in fact, a few have actually become therapy dogs. And to me, that's my most fulfilling moment. The Burke Insurance Agency is family owned and operated since 1986. What else happened in 1986? Haley's Comet flew by and that was pretty cool. The Burke Insurance Agency is located at 3446 Freemansburg Avenue in Bethlehem Township, and they represent Erie, Grange, and Progressive Insurance Companies. Tom and Kathleen are some of the nicest people in the Lehigh Valley, for real. They actually get to know their customers and care for them as if they were part of their own family. It's how a small business is supposed to be. They are also community-minded and support many nonprofits, which they are very passionate about. Give them a call at 610-691-3743 or find them on Facebook. Everything, again, is in our show notes. Don't wait around like Haley's comment called Burke Insurance today. Well, then what is some of the, I mean, again, we can't speak for every dog, but like, what are some um, influences that would cause a dog to bite that would, you could still say, okay, I understand this is a horrible thing, but you know, this was the cause behind it. Like you said, it was it being in the wrong situation, having maybe the wrong owner. Or, it, well, or, yeah, it, it's, it's always very, very often human directed. Very rarely is it, these are the reasons it, it could be from, from a canine if they were taken from their mother too young um, mm-hmm. and you know and they absolutely needed those lessons which most of them if not all of them do and the other thing of course would be if there's a, a neurological impairment that's sure. in the that's in the animal itself like just some some medical issue and I often ask I always ask my clients if they know of or suspect any kind of even a medical issue that could impair them because you know discomfort and pain create uh, problems so I always always recommend them to see the vet uh, uh, before they see me. So once that's cleared and once the vet is deeming, okay, no medical issue, no neurological issue, then if it, if they say it's behavioral on very closely, I work with vets very closely, most often with these bite cases, many of them are on medication. Several of them have asked them, the clients to work with me to wean them off. Mm-hmm. But what it is, if it's not a medical or neurological, it is simply the fact that not only does fear can create aggression, but this is what most people don't understand. Excitement can create aggression. I can't tell you, George, how many times my clients will say, 
quote unquote, but he was just wagging his tail. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always mean anything because he's trying. That's still a red flag. A soft wagging tail is happiness. A quick wagging tail is excitement. Now, if they're doing that when you're walking in the door, that's fine because you're familiar to them. But if they're doing that meeting a dog, be aware of how they're meeting mm-hmm. because that could turn into something because it's excitement. Is that a misconception then that, that some people may have? I mean, you always heard wagging tail, happy dog, right? Like, Absolutely. So, soft so, wagging, soft wagging. Quick wagging is, is excitement. Excitement doesn't always necessarily mean negativity, but, you know, just like with humans, there can be, you know, negative stress. And I guess, for lack of a better term, positive stress, say if something's sure, yeah. going on right now, like on radio yep. or, or, yep. or a yep. podcast, and there's a little nervous or whatever, positive stress. But the negative stress, you know, can always be just a few seconds away. So same Mm -hmm. with dogs, you know, they could be excited, but that can just push them over the edge. And here's what people don't understand is that excitement in the dog's world is considered an anomaly. So what happens is, and this happens in camps a lot, I'm called into dog camps or dog parks because of Mm -hmm. of bite. What people don't understand is that's excitement. And sometimes a dog will try to correct that. And that's the dog who usually bites. What, what do you what do you, you mean that you mean that to them you know being norm normality is what they prefer right. so this excitement is hey get this away from me mm-hmm. i want it i want to go back to being normal being normal because they yeah. wonder you know if you're excited what's the reason now again sure. familiarity yeah. can be different just like staring into a dog's eyes a familiar person to a dog you can stare all you know as much as you want but you know when a dog first meets a dog or we if you meet a strange dog you really should not stare into their eyes it's just not the way the canines operate you just want to kind of look away glance away i do this all the time in my work so that's very similar you know is that you have to follow their language once you look at that only familiar beings can just like with humans, you don't run up yeah. to a person in the street and hug them. You, right. you know, you kind of keep your distance and you can nod or smile. It's just etiquette. So same with staring into their eyes and same with excitement. They view excitement as an anomaly. But if they're familiar with each other, see, right. that's what throws people off. You know, oh, my dog always plays with his dog and he wags his They're familiar. That's okay. Huh. That's why I so- always opt for play dates of dogs that know each other versus dogs kind of thrown together unless it's done you know, in a professional way. And then, so how, how does that work? Say I have, you know, my, my, actually, this is true. My uh, mother-in-law got a new dog. Right. And my dog is about, uh, I think like 10, 10 years old or so. What's the best way to introduce them? That This dog is uh, under a year old or a year okay. old. So what, what is the best way to introduce them? They're both small. Okay. The best way is to be a a totally neutral area, of course, and the walk. Everybody underestimates the walk. It doesn't matter how small they are. They're still canines. Canines need to walk. Now, of course, age appropriate. You know, if there's a senior, you don't want to overwork them. But, you know, uh, no one's neighborhood in particular. You want it to be a neutral neighborhood. And what I always recommend, even if they're not aggressive dogs, just to have, and this is the rule of thumb for me, is it's going to be dog on one end, human, human, dog. So the, t- the humans are in the middle, the gotcha. dogs are in the end. It's sort of like a handhold to your own dog. Okay. And then you just walk along, walk along until they, they absolutely know each other is there. A lot mm-hmm. of times people feel we have to put them in each other's face. No. Right. Okay, yeah. Let them walk. They are experiencing each other. And then at some point, you can either switch leads or simply stay your course and then just stop. Just act like you're chatting with the other person and just observe to see what they're doing. 
Right. They start to just kind of lay down or sit or just glance. They might glance at each other, look away. One might decide to maybe sniff the other. That's their way of saying, hey, I got a sense of who you are through my person. You seem cool. They trust you. <laughs> and now, I, you know, I might want to get closer. If they don't, that's fine. Then you could still proceed to bring them in the house. As long as it's human first, dog beside you, and then lead them in. I would keep them on leashes for just a little bit mm-hmm. until you see that they are nice and relaxed from the walk, sitting comfortably. Then you could take off the leash when they're laying down. I wouldn't present any food or treats yet, things like that. And, and see, it sounds so simple to do because it is, right? I, I mean, it but it just you have, you have to observe. Well, yeah. of course, if the, you know, in a perfect, I guess, world where the dogs are, you know, able to do this. But do you think it's just maybe people, A, don't think of this because you're like, hey, I got a dog. It's great. You know, you we're not thinking about canine behavior sure. often. I mean, you are clearly, but, you know, the regular dog owner, I bet, isn't thinking of these things. Is it you trying to educate more people to think that way and say, hey, if you just do these little things, you can have a better relationship with your dog? Absolutely. I think it's it's the norm for most of my clients to just say to me, I guess we're the ones who have to be trained. They say that constantly because hmm. I try to be polite about it, but it truly yeah. is about the human. And I tell them, look, don't feel bad. We don't come into this world with four legs and a tail. You know, <laughs> we're 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 navigating our lives and we're doing well by them. We adopt, we groom, we we, you know, we feed them, we take them to the vet. But if we don't take care of what it takes to be a canine, their psychological needs as a canine, how they meet how they react, how they're, how they're motivated. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times they're actually forced into a situation. And sadly, a dog will comply because A, he, he's, he's a social being. That's part of his genetic makeup to, and B, he's loyal to us. They love to, imp- you know, to please us. But you don't want to force a dog. You want to teach a dog. And you also want to motivate and I think that's what I love about behavior. It gets, I always say behavior is like working from their eyes up to the human, getting inside their head and understanding what it takes to be a dog and understand the dog so that the, being humans, we rationalize that and put right. it into terms we understand. Well, yeah, we think of them, sometimes you treat them like humans and, and you know, right. and you think they'll respond that way like a human would respond, like yelling at them or something. I don't know. It, it doesn't pushing. Yeah. Pushing and yeah. forcing. Remember they're not children. They're not going to hear the words. And, and, you know, so over, overusing their words or overusing their name, they're only going to tune you out and they're only going to become panicked, you know? Mm-hmm. So those kind of things, you know, you, you want to be able to understand what they're thinking and bring something out of them because they, they're halfway there. They want to do something for us. They just don't know what it is, when it is and how. Yeah. Um, Right. You, you brought, yeah, you brought something up that made me think, uh, I don't know if you can answer this, but like where we live and I'm sure, you know, you live in the Philadelphia area. It's, I see a lot of people bring dogs to festivals and to large groups, gatherings. Now, again, we can't speak for every dog and I'm sure that there are dogs that really enjoy that. But is that something that you might want to think about? Because I would imagine to a dog having all those people around would be stressful. Very stressful. I did a lot of events, you know, before COVID and mm-hmm. um, now I'm in Jersey, but I still work in Philly. Okay. So, work with, But it's, you know, I'm only 15 yeah. minutes away. Um, but all the areas from Philadelphia and New Jersey, um, these festivals, you know, they were they were pretty intense and some dogs can handle it. But I would have to say a majority of dogs, like you say, can't. And you see them stressed and they're trying to cope and some are on the verge. And I'm always looking at them thinking, oh, I hope this person just leads them out, leads them this way, leads them that way. Because when they're looking around and their tail is stiff and, you know, they're they're on guard. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And so if another dog were to come up and somebody willingly says, oh, can we have our dogs meet? And of course, they may do it the wrong way. Like I'm saying, face to face and all these wrong things that people just sure. do. And then you hear a growl and you're thinking and I'm looking over like, what do I need to do? <laughs> and then fortunately, somebody pulls their dog away and I'm thinking another moment averted. But yep. now now that dog may be deemed vicious or we got to be careful huh. and really he was placed in a situation that was unsafe yeah. for him. Was like, hey come to this music festival and we're gonna shove another dog in your face and you right. bite someone and it's your fault yeah i that's get that right. <laughs> and they um, may even get punished over and it's not fair and what do you, fair. i mean in that situation i guess you're kind of you can't we talked about how you walk i mean could you potentially try to do that be like hey hey my new friend walk with me a little bit Yeah, you could do that. Or my thing when I tell people when you're not really sure that your dog can meet dogs in situations where and very, very little can, you know, Um, but I would just say, listen, they're in training right now. And, you know, and also maybe advise the other person. So, you know what? Dogs like to meet, you know, they don't meet face face to face. They so maybe if you let your dog sniff my dog or or if you Mm -hmm. don't want to say anything, I tell my students this as someone's walking up to you and you're kind of facing the same direction, kind to make a tiny little semicircle around to lead your dog yeah, to the, the back of the other dog right. and then you could stand a little bit to the side and still talk to that person so not everybody is directly face to face because that's such an aversion for a dog mm-hmm. and also you're creating peace for the other dog because now you're do- you're putting your dog in a situation they're not face to face and you yourself is not head on to the other dog sure it's a whole different body language that can literally change how they act and react yeah, and I feel bad I picked on my dog. So I'll, I will say what he's great at is when we are walking and we are downtown, there'll be other dogs across the street or even, you know, they'll walk by and they'll bark and yap and he doesn't do anything because he we're very good at walking and he stays right next to you um, and he's not easily distracted and he doesn't bark at dogs across the street. And I love that because when you're walking through town, you kind of feel like, yeah, I got this dog. Who's, exactly. It's who's a very good moment. Yeah. yeah. And these other dogs are going crazy. And, and I'm like, good boy. You know, you're not like them. That's is right. That, is that behavior like when, when you when you have a if, if I if I have a dog who sees another dog across the street, is my dog supposed to be barking and barking at them? Is that natural behavior? Because I see that a lot. That does happen a lot. In fact, you right. mentioned that I actually added. That's how that's how prevalent this is. I actually added what I call my peace walks to my client work. So after the sessions are done, I have an ongoing lifetime for the dog, lifetime peace walk that they can join me for the rest of their lives the first Sunday of every month. So it's my client peace walk because dogs just do this. Interesting. And so, yeah, and I have some really heavy hitter, intense, you know, lungers and growlers and, you know, dog aggressive dogs that are now role models because they just continue to come. And we practice what I what I like to call my rescue walk, which mm-hmm. is similar to what you're talking about about the dog close to you, not pulling on them, mm-hmm. giving them slack, but very close with your arm low and long and loose. And it's sort of like what I like to call one of my clients kind of quoted me on it was like a handhold to the dog, you know, okay. sure. you know as if you're holding a child. Yeah, my, like my dog, he doesn't like there's slack in the leash when we like, walk. Like, so right. he, like, I always think I'm like, if this leash wasn't here, he would still be walking with me. Of course, the leash is going to be on him, but it's nice to know that. Now, that's a credit to you, George, because that's what you want to create. But here's the so thing. It's probably more of a credit to my wife, but he's... Well, he both of you, but on the human scale, that's amazing because yeah. most people, we just let the dogs just... And then I hear this. They just go and then people will say, oh, but that's how they enjoy the walk. But if you look at them, they're not enjoying no the way. walk. No way. They're pulling. They're, they're hacking. Well, let's You're talk afraid. about... We haven't talked about your business at all. Yeah. <laughs> 
peaceinthepack.com and all of the information is in the show notes. But can you describe a little bit about, you talked about events. Let's talk about that secondary. But first, you know, who, who comes to you? Right? What, who are your clients? You know, um, what type of person? Yeah, usually it's dogs with, with high-end behavioral issues. Right. Sometimes they've been through, through formal training, which is a credit to them for me because I'm thinking, wow, that's half my job. I don't have to worry about the sit, stay, look, and focus. Um, but at the same time, they, are, they went into issues in the home or outside. And that's just normal for when a canine grows. Right. So that's, and then the next level is the bite cases, which, like I said, are more prevalent than your average. I rarely get just jumping or counter surfing. That usually stays with the trainers. Okay. Most of the time they'll say that's, that's an add on, but really now they're nipping or they call me because they've actually bitten someone. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely do I find someone who has had no formal training, but uh, as of course, as their lives move on. Now, this particular year and last year, I am getting a, a surge of puppies, biting puppies, young puppies. I'm talking about too, George, not like older puppies in you know, okay. six, seven months. That's, you know, young puppies. Um, so that's happening. And I get a lot of vet referrals here in New Jersey, okay. which is nice. But it seems to be a lot of word of mouth, um, you know. Um, but yeah, when I, I used to be on KYW, that was a lot right. of, you know. But, but since I haven't been been doing that for a while because I'm really doing 100% into my work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And the events, of course, waned away yeah. with COVID, as we know. And I well, think- yeah, so like, what, what is that? I think, did you, I got, am I going to guess it right? Do you have walks where the dogs are, what we just talked about, yeah. walking? That's what you're doing. You're like, hey, come and do it the correct way. Yeah. Is that well, well, most of the time on these walks, these dogs are not even, you know, focused. Like they'll say, they'll, people will say to me, well, you know, they, they did learn. They have to sit first and do this. And I said, well, that's all good. They have all that knowledge. But right now mm-hmm. they're in such chaos. They can't sit. If they sit, they're going to sit for a second and lunge. They're just not focused on their person. So my goal is to just have them walk. Just have the person do exactly what you explained and you did effectively to walk through a situation and get them through peacefully. That's why I call it a peace walk. Once they start to do that, then you can revert back to the training situations. So to me, behavioral is a a different level, um, you know, so that you have to you have to clear their mind before they kind of you can't build if you don't have the base. That's right. right? Exactly. Ha, I'm getting better at this. I'm going to go train my dog. <laughs> that, yeah, you, that's um, exactly it. So when you, you can't do things because of COVID, of course. So, so what are you doing now? Are you doing things like this? Um, spreading yeah. the word? <laughs> Trying to do, yeah. I was doing some conferences. I was also yes. doing some work with people on conferences, but also outside. You can still do a lot of work outside with people. Sure. Yeah. Um, and also... At Camden County College, it looks like we're going to be doing online classes, which is good. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's going on with Rowan, but I'm um, just waiting to hear as everybody else is. So it looks like schooling might continue in the fall because our spring classes had to be canceled. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yep. that, that's under peace in the pack, too. It's a whole slew of classes, which I love, George, because some of these people, uh, amazingly enough, and to their credit, don't even have dogs yet, but want to adopt a dog in the future. So they're being and they're responsible. Yeah. yeah. It's because, you know, I make light of it, but it is that I remember growing up, it's like you had a dog, sit, stay, fetch. Right. You never, you That's know, right. thinking about this, it wasn't, I don't think it was anybody's fault. It just wasn't something you really thought about. It was your pet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make a lot of sense that you need to be more, if you want to have a really good relationship or a really healthy animal, you need to take their needs into consideration. And, 
It makes a lot right. of sense. I mean, I think I, I think I knew this a little bit, but definitely not to this this level. Exactly. And you know what? Especially our working dogs. We have dogs such as Malinois that are very hardwired to work. Many of our mm-hmm. large breed dogs are hardwired to work. And if they really, and it's really an understatement to say that they need to work because people don't quite understand. It's sort of like a catchphrase. What is work? Sometimes right. work would just simply be concentrating on their human, doing something that seemingly you know, harmless. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Unimportant. Yeah. Okay. You know, like to say, well, Oh, I don't, I hear this a lot. I don't need to have him do this in this moment because he's good. He doesn't bother anybody. It's Mm -hmm. not that he needs it. He needs it because if you take that little bit of work away, you're taking the focus off of the human and then they're going to start going awry and that messes up their brain. So you want them focused on you. First of all, it gives them mental work. They mm-hmm. literally get tired. I can't tell you how many <laughs> sessions we don't go after a walk. We just simply stay in the home for the two hours that I'm there, whatever, mm-hmm. two plus sometimes, as long as the dog will tolerate me. And of course, when they tune out, I'm done. But right. we work. We do things to have that, you know, and I show moments where the person is like, oh, I didn't know we can do this. Like playtime. I didn't mm-hmm. know playtime could be a task or a behavior. Yeah, you could play with them, have the best time, but still under a task. And they're still concentrating on you, play, 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 concentrating on you, beginning yeah. and end, you know? And by the time I leave, I'd have to say proudly, and this is not me, this is the, the dogs, 100% of the time, George, 100% from Chihuahua to St. Bernard, you know, to Mastiff, they relax. They're asleep. And these are dogs that most of them can mm-hmm. relax normally. Yeah. Little things sometimes, at least in the beginning, and I call it throughout every event in their day. Mm-hmm. If you do that and you, and you start to see the structure, then like you had said earlier, because this is my intention for all people who live with dogs, is to feel what you mentioned earlier, that empowered feeling. Then yeah. it's a catch-22. You start to feel good. It's like, wow, look, he's doing this. And look how, like, he's relaxed. I feel proud. Now that energy that you feel is actually going to filter down to the dog, vice versa. It's a, it's a bonding moment. And, and it lasts that long until he comes home and then he poops in the house. And then <laughs> it starts all over again. But, you know, there's even there's even <laughs> something to that. When they poop and pee in the house, a lot of times, the red flag, they're telling you, or is it white flag? What is it? <laughs> Whatever they're trying to say is help is because there's some sort of change in their life. And do you know that doing that in the home can also be considered submissive urination, not just territorial? It's either one thing or another. It's Total mm-hmm. spectrum. But when it's submission, it's because there's something that changed in their life. And it doesn't have to be made. Well, I'm not gonna yeah, and I'm not gonna throw him under the bus. The last time he did it was because he just really had to go. Oh, <laughs> and he was trying true. to get <laughs> he's trying to get to the door. So no, he's he's been good. And this no, this has been really interesting. And and I want to make sure that everybody um is able to go to peaceinthepack.com. Check that out. Again, everything's in the show notes. And is there anything like for people who uh, if, if somebody's thinking of reaching out, who should reach out to you? Like, what, what would be a, a reason for them to get in touch? Definitely, if, if you feel that there's no hope, number one, uh, okay. if your dog is nipping, if your dog is starting to show any signs of aggression, um, and, if, and, and if you're starting to feel a level of mistrust, uh, that's sometimes when people kind of tune out. That breaks my heart because I need a liaison. I need someone who they trust in their home to still... To right. still be there. Like an right? advocate. Yeah. yeah. There's only so much I can do if they're out of the picture. Then I could start fresh with a new family, of course. Mm-hmm. But I want to maintain their home, you know. Right. So before you lose that trust and you still 
want to work with your dog or you're starting to feel hopeless and you're thinking there's nobody there for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely give me a call. Or even if you see the lower end signs, they're just starting to be a little pushy or a little nippy, things of that nature. Because sometimes trainers won't touch them when there's mouthy behavior, if it gets right. to a degree where it can be a little... But you can swoop in and, and help them out. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Yes. Well, this is fantastic. I'm so happy that we made this connection and uh, I hope to talk to you again. And um, I know if we ever get to meet, we can walk with Lincoln. He's a great, perfect uh, dog walker. You will be impressed, I think. I would love to see that. I'm going to go tell him downstairs when we're done here. You have to come to the walks and he could be a role model. We will because Renee, you know, when we're able to come back down again, I know we didn't talk about this. We, we know my cousin Renee. Um, yeah. I, I would, I'd love to because their dogs are a lot of fun and it'd be a great time. Oh, that sounds wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody, all the information is in the show notes. Uh, NancyPeaceInThePack.com. I appreciate it. Thank you. And have a great day. Thanks. I appreciate it too. Bye-bye. Nancy, be sure to check out PeaceInThePack.com. We have everything in the show notes. If you want to reach out, hit us up at info at lehighvalleywithlovemedia.com. I'm your host, George Wacker. Thank you for listening to the Lehigh Valley with Love podcast. And thank you to Burke Insurance Agency. Have a good week.